carry on looking at uh, the series that we're in, looking at some of the key values, nine of them, of this church, uh, which is based on the nine key values of the family of churches that we are part of called New Frontiers. And so I just want to remind you that New Frontiers, as a family of churches, is made up of smaller groups of churches, which we call spheres, and the, which is not a biblical word. Well, it might be in the Bible somewhere, but I, it's just what we call, you know, the smaller parts of the New Frontiers family of churches. And our part, our sphere, our group of churches is called New Ground. Does everybody get that? Because there's still some people I talk to and they still can't seem to get it. I don't know why. It seems quite easy to me, but maybe that's just me. And really the heart of this value that we're looking at this morning is all around the question of what does it mean to be part of an apostolic family of churches? Because that's what uh, New Ground as part of New Frontiers is. That's how New Frontiers describes themselves. We're an apostolic family of churches. Well, what does that mean? Uh, what's that all about? That's the kind of value that we're looking at this morning. I can tell you're mega excited, uh, but you know, bear with me. Uh, hopefully, it will be helpful to us. And where I want to start is with the role of an apostle, because if you're going to think about this subject of an apostolic family of churches, you have to understand the role of an apostle, because it's from the role of an apostle that we get the word apostolic. Are you with me? Just, you know, that's where it comes from. So it's key. You're not an apostolic family of churches just because you call yourself one. I met a guy in an airport once, and he said he was, an, he was an apostle, and he gave me his business card. He actually sold cleaning products, but he just called himself an apostle. I found out later, just said that he was, and got some business cards printed up about them. And when I asked my friend in Zimbabwe why, he said, well, he'll probably sell more cleaning products if he calls himself an apostle, you know, because people think he's a man of God, and they'll buy more detergent. I said, are you joking? He said, no, no, it's true. He said, that's what people do. So you're not an apostle just as you call yourself. Uh, an apostle, you're not an, an apostolic family, just as you say you are, it's because you're led by an apostle. And I actually think that many of the other, what they call Ephesians 4, translocal ministries, which just means ministries that serve a number of churches, they all operate kind of under the umbrella or under the arch, under the oversight, within the family, which is kind of led by the apostolic. So, King's Church, Oxted, is part of New Frontiers, which is an apostolic family of churches. It's apostolic because each part or each sphere is led by an apostle who gathers a team, and they're called the apostolic core team. So in New Ground, Dave is the apostle, Dave Holden, and me and a few other guys work with him, and we make up the apostolic core team. And as New Ground, we're a family of churches because not only are we in relationship with one another as churches in New Ground, but we also share a relationship with the same apostolic team. In other words, we're looking to the same team for oversight and care and input, etc., etc. And I'm sorry if that sounds confusing or wordy. I'm not trying to be. It's just I want to explain it to you so you can get your heads around it. And why, what we believe being part of an apostolic family of churches means, how we understand it. Because I realize that these are terms that, number one, are not used generally outside anywhere else in the church. And also, even within the church and Christendom, there seems to be a whole number of explanations. 
it's this and it's that and it's the other. So I just wanted to be clear, this is how it works in our family of churches. And this morning, we're going to jump into a bit of scripture and we're kind of going to see how this all works out. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't manage to get the slides. It's my fault, so I'm sorry. If you've got your Bibles, you want to open them up, that'd be really helpful. If you've got your devices, open them up. Uh, if not, I shall read out various parts of the scripture nice and slowly. The team at the back are now waving to me and pointing. And I think by the power of my prophetic gifting <laughs> that behind me might come up some slides. I am good, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 4, well done, 11 to 16. It says this, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand your word this morning, help us to understand what you're speaking to us uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Paul here in this verse, he's talking about a number of roles, which actually are giftings. They're in people. There's the apostle, there's the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. And their role, notice, is to equip all of us to do the stuff. His people, to do the stuff, as John Wimber would have put it. They don't do all the prophesying or all the evangelizing or all the pastoring or all the teaching. It's not like a football team where you pay the professionals to go and do it. 22 guys on a field playing and 27,000 people watching. That's not how the church is supposed to be. Their role is to do that stuff, but it's also to equip us to do it all. And that way we all get to be involved and Jesus gets all the glory. And every local church needs all these giftings to be operating within a local church to be healthy. And at other times, we might need others to come in who are gifted in that area to teach us, to shape us, to impart something to us, to deposit, if you like, something of that gift into the local church. And in many ways, the apostolic, the apostle, is, like I've said, like this overarching role, which I think promotes and enables and directs and releases all those kind of gifts that God has given to operate in a good way and in a safe way within a family of churches. So every church doesn't need to have an apostle in it. And the role of an apostle or the apostolic is not way more important. They're not the star, if you like, on the stage. It's no more noble than any other role, if you like, in church or a family of churches. But I think it is a unique role because it's one that enables others to operate and directs others to operate in a way that is good for the local churches and, and is safe for them. So I think that when we, this is a good place to start when we look at this subject. But what I do realize is that even if I say the word apostle, 
actually it might conjure up a whole load of things in your mind. Because over the years, I think it's a word and a role that's been used and abused and misunderstood. If I say to you, what's an apostle? Some, some of you might say, got no idea. Read it in the Bible, but don't really know much about it. Others of you, it might conjure up a whole number of things in your mind. It might conjure up an image of hierarchy, someone on a platform. Maybe somebody who kind of jets around mega church meetings and jets in and jets out. Maybe someone who's distant, someone who lords it over. Maybe you might think, well, they're the kind of it's something positional, organizational. Maybe if you follow the Christian news at the moment, you might think, actually, there's something abusive, controlling. Something maybe superstar, celebrity about it. So we need to have a biblical understanding of an apostle and how these translocal Ephesians 4 ministries that God gives, how they serve the church. And I think one of the great ways that you can think about it is that they should be Christ-centered and cross-centered and servant-centered. Christ-centered, cross-centered, and servant-centered. If I read about leaders, whoever they are, doing stuff, and it doesn't conform to those three things, I'm starting to get a bit nervous. I'm starting to get a bit worried. I heard the story of a pastor who joined New Frontiers, because having seen Terry Virgo, who started New Frontiers as a family of churches, having seen him on stage at the Bryan Conference in front of four or 5,000 people, then found he was behind him in the coffee queue. Terry was behind this bloke. Nobody got him special coffee. This guy could not believe it. He's just a bloke who was up on the stage. Yeah, and guess what? Now he's in the coffee queue. And he's behind me. He'll have to wait for his biscuit. You know, because he's the same as everybody else. As Newground, we've been working the last few years with a number of Brazilian pastors, very damaged by their experience with the apostolic. Very controlling, very manipulative of them. Been very damaged. Just sitting and listening to them. Uh, as Dave has done, and we've done as an apostolic core team, has just healed something in them. So how can you tell the authentic from the non-authentic? Well, I think you're looking for the grace of God, the gift of God on them to be able to do this. Like I said, you, don't, you aren't something just because you call... I wouldn't be a hamburger just because I call myself a hamburger. You wouldn't want to eat me, certainly. I mean, you're not an apostle just because you say you are. There's something, there's a gift of God, there's a grace of God, there's an enabling of God that other... Christians, other apostles can see and say, ah, I think God has given you this gift. So what do apostles, what do they do? What does the apostolic ministry do? What do they seek to bring about? Well, if you look at the New Testament and what the first apostles did, I think you'll see that it's an active and an a activating ministry. It's active and it's activating. It's not really managerial. It's not really head of the CEO. It's not really the person who's got the big vision and then he's kind of organizing it all in departments. Think about Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13 and 14. They're sent, they preach, they see some people saved, they gather them into local communities, they appoint some elders, then they travel around, they do it again, they travel around, they do it again. And then they go back the way they've came, strengthening, uh, appointing, straightening some things out. And then eventually they get back to their own church where they report back to their own church everything that God has done through them. That's what happens. And in the New Testament, once they shared the, if the gospel had been shared somewhere and the apostles got to hear about it, they sent some of them to go up there and see, well, what's happened? Is it, is it, is it genuine? Is it authentic? 
Is there the grace of God among those people? And has the Holy Spirit filled them? How about this one in Acts 8, 14 to 17? When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John there to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that were there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. So the picture, really, of the apostle in the New Testament is about involvement, travel, planting, laying foundations, appointing elders, gathering other giftings, sending them, sending them. I can't come. I'm sending Timothy. I'm coming to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That is what you kind of read. There's something dynamic. There's something fluid about it. It's not bogged down in administration or organizing some kind of superstructure. And actually, in the New Testament, once they'd appointed elders in the local church, those local elders were expected to raise up other leaders to train, to release, to, to, to get everything, if you like, done in the local church. The evangelizing, the caring, the sharing, the training, the encouraging, they were to get on with that. That's the kind of picture I think we see in the New Testament. But if I had to pin down four things that the apostolic or apostles do, four key things, I would pin them as this. Number one, they, they lay foundations in churches. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Foundational things for the local church, like the word of God being the word of God. And therefore, it's unchangeable. It is definite. It is relevant in all generations to every person. Foundational things like who we are as the people of God, our identity as sons and daughters, key doctrines about things like creation, salvation, grace, the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, how we treat one another, how we serve one another, how leaders are servant leaders and not dictators. Foundational things like history is actually his story. It's God's dealing with men and women, mankind, humankind on earth. And how when there was no other way for men and women to be saved, God made a way through his son. It's that wonderful truth of the gospel. I think apostles make sure these are the kind of foundations that get laid in local churches. And you have to lay good foundations in a building or a church. Otherwise, eventually, when the shaking comes, they will fall over. But it's also true, you know, even if you lay these good foundations in churches, sometimes they need to be reinforced. Sometimes they need to be relayed. Sometimes people need to be reminded of them. Sometimes through the erosion of time. Or maybe one generation doesn't quite pass it on well to the next generation. And now I'm 52, I realize how important that is. Maybe there's a pressure that's exerted by society at a particular moment in history that causes one of these key foundational doctrines to be shaken, to be challenged. There was a good foundation laid, but now it's coming under challenge. Well, actually, sometimes the apostolic needs to make sure, no, no, we've laid that foundation and we're going to keep it there. So I do believe there's this initial laying of foundation and there's an also this ongoing shaping, strengthening, reminding that apostles and apostolic teams do. 
And that happens as we're in a family of churches. See, the New Testament really knows nothing of kind of independent churches that have no contact. They've been planted, they were watered, and they still look to the apostles and those other giftings to input them, to, 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 to speak to them, to shape them. I think that's what we see in the New Testament, willingly, gladly receiving and giving help. That's the first one. Are you all with me? Okay. Second one, ongoing care of local churches. When you think about Paul in the New Testament, he's caring for churches, and for big chunks of time when he's doing that, he's in prison. There's no Zoom for Paul. He couldn't just go, oh, well, I can't be with you. I'm sorry about that. I'll just Zoom you 10 o'clock next Tuesday. Hello. Couldn't do that. He's chained in a prison often, but he's still writing letters to the churches that he has planted. And those letters, when you read them, they're full of warmth and friendship. But sometimes they also give warnings. How about this, Galatians 3? This is Paul writing to the church there. You foolish Galatians. Not a very encouraging kind of opening, is it? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. See, sometimes Paul visited in person these churches. Sometimes he sent them a letter that was read by a number of churches. Sometimes he had to sort out errors. Sometimes he had to deal with false teachers. Sometimes he had to deal with what he called super apostles. If you read 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says these super apostles, these really impressive guys have come in amongst you and they're doing signs and wonders and they're super apostles. But you know what? They're false. They're not the real deal. And when those churches kind of ask him, so, okay, Paul, so what are your credentials against these super apostles? Paul said to them, well, I'm weak. Not much of an answer, is it? Not really the answer that you want. But then he says, but you know what? When I'm weak, then I can be strong in God because God can work through you. And he explains to them how he's been an apostle, how he planted them, how he cares for them, how he loves them. He's not trying to compete with these flashy, false or super apostles kind of blow in and blow out again. No, no, I'm walking this thing with you. So Paul, we see, does care for churches, but he couldn't go there every week, month, year, decade. He didn't sort out all their issues. Sometimes his care for them came in the form of a rebuke or a warning. You foolish Galatians, what are you doing? Sometimes his care meant he sent others. I think my point is that apostles do care and they care for churches, but not always in the way that individual Christians or churches think they should care or they want to be cared for. Talk to so many, uh, or have spoken to so many, but we never see our apostle. He never actually comes. And uh, Well, okay, but that's not the only way that they can care for you. Paul didn't go to lots of these places. There's a whole range of other ways. I think third one is the apostolic keeps this focus on the Holy Spirit as the one who is going to enable local churches and Christians to live to the glory of Jesus. See, there really is no other plan B. There's no better idea for the advance of the church and the kingdom than the presence 
and the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here this morning, but just to let you know, anything that you know genuinely about Jesus, you only know it because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. I know we think we're really clever, but we're not really very clever at all, actually. In spiritual matters, we actually need the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. Let me just do another one. While I've burst one bubble, I might as well burst another one. Anything that you have done genuinely for the kingdom of God and for Jesus, you've only actually been able to do empowered by the Holy Spirit. That really is how it is. I'm not trying to have a go at anyone. Paul says, I work hard, but not me, the Holy Spirit working through. I think it's how it is. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit more than we know we need the Holy Spirit. Even what we know, we only know because he's revealed it to us. I honestly believe that. Read Acts 1 and Acts 2. Same people, completely different. Why? Because they had the Holy Spirit. We might think we need bigger websites, better bands, nicer coffee, diddly, diddly, diddly. What we really need is more of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the work of the, of the person, of the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit is about. And we might try really hard in ourselves. I don't think we'll get too far. Because <laughs> the way it should work is that we say, Holy Spirit, will you help me to glorify Jesus? And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I can do that. And then he will help us to glorify Jesus. I think that's why Jesus, Jesus wanted to glorify the Father and so he said, Holy Spirit, will you fill me so that I can glorify the Father? Are you with me? If Jesus couldn't get away from the fact that he needed the Holy Spirit, then surely we can't get away from the fact that we need the Holy Spirit. And I think the apostolic keeps reminding individual Christians and churches, you need the Holy Spirit. You need his presence. You need his power. You will dry up. You will burn up. You will blow over. You will fall. You will stutter. You will stammer. You will not get there. You cannot do it. Why? Because God has given this amazing presence person of the Holy Spirit to be your helper. So don't try and do it all in your own strength because you'll never make it. Need the Holy Spirit. And I think there's something of the apostle that keeps on reminding local churches and Christians need the Holy Spirit. Fourth one, fourth one, mission, 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 mission. Fourth thing that the apostles we see do is Mission, which for them means plant churches, plant churches, plant churches, is the thing that trumps everything. In fact, number one, number two, number three, only work in the context of number four. If your understanding, your expectation of an apostle is just number one, two, and three, foundations, care, and spirit, we would become self-absorbed, self-focused, internalized, probably end up moaning, oh, we don't see enough of our apostle anyway. That's because he's out busy doing the mission. Because he's out doing number four. Apostles are not super elders or super pastors or pastors, pastors. They're not supposed to spend all their time going around to churches, checking that everyone feels all right. Feel all right? Feel all right? Doing all right? Have a biscuit. Doing all right? Doing all right? It's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be out there doing the mission that God has called us to together and then to catch up local churches on that mission. To catch up local churches. No, come on, we're doing this together. We're, doing this, we're in this together. Come on, be caught up in it. Which means actually we are on mission of, church, of planting churches. We're on the journey with them. We're on the adventure with them. And guess what? On the way there will be help and there will be care. And there will be things that will bless us. But it's as we go. Romans 15, I love this. Paul 
says, I, I long to visit you, but you know what? I'm only passing through because I'm on the mission. I want to involve you in the mission. I want you to send me. Then I'm going off to Spain. This is what he writes to the Romans. Now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. Since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. Paul doesn't drop the mission to meet their needs. Rather, he's going to catch them up in it. He's going to involve them in it. He's saying, we've got a mission of God together. Come on. I think the apostolic keeps asking questions. What about regions beyond? What about the ends of the earth? What about the Great Commission? I don't know about you, I get very self-focused. I get very inward-looking. I sometimes need someone to come and say, what about? What about out there? What about those who have never heard of the gospel? It's great the gospel's come to you, Dale. Praise God. You stand there and worship that every Sunday. Amen. Great. What about those who haven't? I need the apostle to come and stir me with that. I think if we just left to ourselves, we look inwards. We look downwards. We look to me and us and our. And I think when the apostolic gets involved, they say, no, come on. God's mission is for the whole world. When Jesus says, go into all the world, he meant all the world. Let me just quickly answer another couple of questions. Because I do talk about this kind of thing often in some different settings in different churches as being part of the New Ground team. And sometimes I get asked questions and I think often they go something like this, maybe. One is all around, well, that all sounds good in theory, but do you know what? We don't really get served by New Ground or New Frontiers at all. We haven't seen Dave Holden for 17 years. Right? It's, it's, it's something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but you, you get the drift of it. Or sometimes the second one is something like this. It's around the kind of like, well, yeah, New Frontiers, New Ground, it's okay. But do you know what? I quite like the look of that, like family churches. I quite like what they do. I quite like what they do in that area. I quite like that area of ministry. I'm, I think if it was down to me, I think we'd probably just go and join that one, really. Sometimes uh, those questions are couched in slightly different ways sometimes, and sometimes they sound a bit more spiritual. But when I dig down to the root of them, Sometimes those are questions that I find. Let me just answer the second one first. When this church was born 40 or so years ago, we were born out of and into a family of churches called New Frontiers. Let me say that again. We were born out of and into a family of churches called New Frontiers. We didn't just appear. It didn't just suddenly one day happen. No, no, there was a church in Biggin Hill, a New Frontiers church, and God spoke to some people in that church and said, go plant another one of these churches down the road in Oxted. I'm summarising eight years there. But that's essentially what happened. And so this church, King's Church Oxted, was born. We were born out of this New Frontiers family, and we were born into this family of churches. We didn't kind of just appear and then look around, where should we join? So for us to even think about leaving New Frontiers would be a serious thing for us. Not because we necessarily think that New Frontiers is the best family of churches in the world. It's because at root, this is who we were born out of. This is whom we were born into. There are many things that we as a family of church can learn from others. Many things that other church families do better than us. 
But that doesn't mean that we're just going to discard our own family. That's not being family. That's called being a consumer. That's going where I think I will be served best for my mission in my life. What do you do with your washing powder? What do you do with your choice of supermarket? You can do that with your gas supplier. I don't mind. But it's not what you do with the church family that God has called you to. I was thinking about this. Just imagine if my kids said to me, do you know what, Dad? Uh, I don't think we're going to relate or spend any time with, uh, with our cousins anymore. I mean, not being funny, they're your kind of brother's kids. We don't madly get on with them too much, do you know what? We don't have a huge amount in common. There's actually a few other people that we really like, and I'd much rather they were our cousins. So actually, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to invite them to, you know, any family kind of event. You just wouldn't do that, would you? Because they're family. You might feel like it with some of your family, but you wouldn't do it because it's not, it's not how family works. So I think that our attitude as a local church towards new ground and new frontiers, our apostolic church family, should be exactly the same as our individual attitude to King's Church, which is our local church family. God, thank you for making me part of this family Now, how can I bless? How can I support? How can I serve? I think that's the right one. And I would base that on Jesus, who, of course, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. The second, the first question I posed, you know, about, well, I'm not sure, does new ground, does new frontiers, do we really receive much from Dave Holden? I don't know when an evangelist last came to Oxted and did anything for us. That, that, that kind of question. I think that if you actually draw back a bit and get a bit of a wider perspective, I think you'll see that the work and the influence of new ground and new frontiers on this church and on you and me is much greater than we might think. Much greater. Let me give you some examples, and then I'll end, and you can all say amen. amen. What about the academy? The academy is the new ground academy. The academy only happens because people in new ground put it on. This theological leadership training that lots of us have gone on, benefited from. Right now, we've got Hannah and Diana and Christian and Sophie and Rosemary and Linda on it. It only happens because we make it happen. What about... Different events that some of us have been to, like Stonely or Bryan Conference or Leadership Conference or the Ashburnham event, all at which there was teaching and equipping from prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, etc. Surely some of those have shaped our lives. How many of us personally have been blessed by our children going to New Day? This event that affects thousands of teenagers each year. It's easy to forget. That event doesn't just happen. It only happens because lots of churches in New Frontiers work together, pray together, give together, serve together to make it happen. When you say, oh great, my kids went to New Day. Man, there's a whole load of work behind the scenes. Who is that work done by? Who oversees it? Who who sorts out the issues? Who keeps everyone together so the event can happen? It's New Frontiers. You may not see it, but it's true, because guess what? If New Frontiers didn't, there wouldn't be a New Day. Or there wouldn't be a Ashburnham or any of these other events. I don't know if you realize, but every month we as elders get time to share with the other eldership teams, talking, praying, laughing, crying, 
eating cakes because I host it. It's just vital. It's just vital. You may never see it. It's vital to our health, which I think is vital to your health. What about over the years, the people that we've had come and serve us and bless us as a church? I was just thinking, what about our Otford Manor? Do you remember Angela Kem and her amazing prophetic gifting and her lovely husband, Greg, that came and served us so well? What about Henkanune Kirsten, who come with that kind of motherly, fatherly, pastoral heart and love? I don't know how they do that. I'd love to have some of that. What about Tonga and Joy just coming and telling us about Zimbabwe? I spoke to the guys from Zim the other day. I was just about to launch into, you know, the issues that we're having. They said, oh, sorry, just to let you know, we haven't had any electricity for three days. We turned the generator on, but petrol's a bit sparse. So if the WhatsApp goes, that's the reason. Okay, thanks very much. You've actually just blessed me because you've given me an insight into another world, really. I don't get to see much, but it's good for me to... Oscar and Bibi, others coming, bringing their perspective uh, of life with God in a different continent. What about Josie Rogers? Felt called to go church planting. We didn't have a church plant for her to go to, but Newground did. So now she's over in Berlin. She's planting the church there. We didn't have it as a local church, but our family of churches, the mission that we're involved in, ah, there's space. There's a place. Josie, you could go there. I'm going to go there. Guess what? She's there. Many of our students head off around different cities and whatever. We don't have churches in all these places. New Frontiers, amongst others, has churches there. So guess what? Here's a place you can start. Go there. So I think my conclusion would be that actually as a local church, we do receive huge amount by being part of this apostolic family of churches called New Ground, part of New Frontiers. I think we just don't always realize it. We do receive care, equipping, conferences, gatherings. A couple of weeks' time, there'll be the New Ground Sunday. You'll get to hear more news. Why do we do New Ground Sunday and talk about church plants and what we're doing? Because we want to try and catch everybody up on this mission that we're on together. Dave does often provoke us, remind us, come on, what about the Holy Spirit? What about the presence of God? What about the power? We are actively involved in planting churches. We're going to be actively involved in planting more churches. Because here's the deal. Every church that New Ground, for example, has planted, King's Church Oxted has planted. Because New Ground can't do anything without the support, financially and in terms of people and giftings. Uh, we can't do anything without the support and those things from the local churches that make up the family of churches. So when New Ground does something, King's Church does something. Do you get that? Okay, I'll say it again. Um, there is no entity that is new ground that is not simply this makeup of these churches that are all looking to this apostolic team. We have no finance, no, nothing else outside of what the local churches do give us support, pray for us as new ground. I'm putting my new ground hat on. So when new ground plants a church, it's only been possible because of what we as local churches have done and given which means that we have played our part in planting churches in France and Holland and Germany and Switzerland and Scotland and England and Brazil. And most of us have never even been to half those places. But it's because we are somehow caught up in, we are somehow involved in this mission that God has got us in together. And you'll hear more about that in a couple of weeks' time.
Look, I know that probably talking about apostolic families of churches and all that is not the most exciting thing for Sunday morning. But I do believe this is a really important value for us because I think it's one of those that is very easy to not see, not appreciate, not, not see the benefit, the blessing, where God started, what he's called us to. So I hope you uh, have gained something from that. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Uh, we're going to have a worship song.